I want to talk to you today about how to walk in victory. The Lord is just speaking to my heart about this issue of not knowing who we are, who we really are in him is tripping so many people up. You know, in Romans 5.17, it tells us as we receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, the byproduct of that is that we will reign in life. That means we'll have full and superior dominion as we walk in the Zoe life of God on this earth. It doesn't say they which God gives it to. Why? Because God has given it to everyone who comes to him. So it's about receiving the abundance of grace. And receiving, it literally means to take hold of, but then it means to continue in. So it literally has wording in the Greek that you grow in this, which at first you think, okay, grace unmerited favor, God doing for me what I could never do for myself. I get it. I don't deserve anything God did for me. How do I grow in that? You know, I understand that. But this, this is saying we have to grow in that. How do I grow in the gift of righteousness? Well, righteousness, you're never more righteous than the day you got born again. You weren't clothed in righteousness. You were made the righteousness of God, right? You never, you, so I, I get it. How do I grow in something that I never can be more righteous in. What he's talking about here is grace. The Greek word for grace is the word charis. And it literally means the divine influence on the heart, God's influence on your heart and its reflection out of your life. It, it does mean it's the finished work of Christ. That's what the grace of God is. Everything that he's given me, he was made poor so that I, through his poverty, might be made rich. That, that him meeting all of my needs, all that was given to me by his grace. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. He just loved me and gave it to me. Healing for my body. Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pain so I don't have to. And with his stripes, I was healed. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, the curse of poverty and lack, the curse of sickness and disease, the curse of spiritual death. I've been, I've been given that. So that is grace. But we grow in the divine influence that had, that, that has on our heart so that it reflects out of our life. We grow in a revelation that I have been made the righteousness of Almighty God. And so there's some things we have to understand. See, so many of our brothers and sisters live, and we could all relate to this because we've all been there, and maybe a lot of us are there right now. We're frustrated because what I'm doing on the outside is not what I want to do on the inside. And I just, I can't seem to ever get it right and I'm frustrated. So I, I make this commitment and I repent and I turn, I turn to God and I, I try to put him first and then I fall and I mess up and then I, you know, God, I, I know I'm forgiven so I repent again and, and then I, I start walking again but then I fall again. 
and I just, and I keep this cycle going until so many of us, so many believers finally just give up. And it's all because they're buying lies of the enemy. They think their behavior is who they are. And that's just not Bible. Okay, so we're going to talk about how to walk in victory in your life. How to walk free. Because there's a place where you could completely walk free from sin in your life. Because you've already... You already are free from sin, but you just have to have some knowledge. So you guys want to get in the word a little bit on this? This will be good. We might have to go more than one week. We are going to jump back into wisdom because there's, the Lord wants to really get that in us. But we'll just, you know, I'll deal with the website. It's just I'm going to have to get over my flesh and just deal with that. So in the book of Romans, chapters 5 through chapter 7, Paul gives us a clear picture of who our enemy is. We really have three enemies. Our number one enemy is the sin nature that dwells in our flesh. You're like, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Our, our number one enemy is Satan. Nope. He's our number two enemy. He has no power over our life. He's already been defeated but he's a master deceiver. And he'll make you think you're not worthy. He'll make you think God's not a healer. He'll make you think that what you're facing is, is too much. You can't be healed. You can't ever have this kind of life. You, no, 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 you already have it. So, so Satan is that second enemy. The third enemy is what Satan works through, and that's the world system. So Paul clearly lays this out. And he tells us in chapter 5 where our sin nature came from. Our sin nature came from Adam. When Adam sinned, it brought sin into this earth realm, and death is the wages of sin is death, so death came in because of sin. We all sinned in Adam. So we were all, although we, when... when God lights every man that comes into the world. So babies, when they come into the world, even though their flesh has a sin nature in it, their spirit is still alive to God. Paul talked about it, but then as they grow, there will come a time when a child will choose, knowingly choose sin when God is saying, don't do that. And then sin will revive and they will die spiritually. So, you know, Brother Hagen tells a story about that. He remembers when that happened. He said growing up as a little kid, he wanted to be a preacher. You know, and everything. And now he's not born again. But then at some point, he reached a point where something changed in his life. And after he got born again, he saw, he, he remembered that time. And after then... When that happened, he, would want to be, he wanted to be a lawyer, not a preacher. But then when he got born again, boy, it was right there again. See, Paul said it like this, sin revived and I died. Okay, so, so this Romans chapter 5 tells us clearly. It lets us know that if you and I as born again 
spirit-filled believers, as, 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 as I've been made new, I'm a spirit man. I'm not a body. I live in a body. I possess a soul. But if I allow my unrenewed mind to side with my, the sin nature in my flesh and I sin, that sin will end up slaying me if I keep it, keep walking in it. It'll produce... Now, does it mean I'm not born again? No. No. See, positionally... And you think of positional truth, that's on my relationship with God. If I allow the sin nature in my body to operate, that doesn't break my relationship with God. I'm still his child. But it does break fellowship. Right? And so this is why we have 1 John 1.9. So I can maintain fellowship. If I confess my sin before him, and, and we'll talk about that later, what that means. It does, doesn't mean say, hey, I'm this, this lousy guy, I, I lied. It's more than that, right? We have, to, we have to say what he says about our sin. Father, I sinned. Didn't have to do it. I allowed the sin nature in my flesh to operate. And, I, and, I, and I'm not, no excuse, I, I allowed it to happen. And I also confess before you that 2,000 years ago, that sin that very lie was condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus, in the flesh of Jesus. And now, in accordance with 1 John 1, 9, I believe I receive forgiveness for my sins, cleansing from all of my unrighteousness. Unrighteousness, unrighteous nature? No. You cleanse me from all my unrighteousness, what's left? Only righteousness. No, I'm cleansed from the unrighteous behavior. Okay? So let's talk about this a little bit more. As we go into Romans chapter 6, it tells us the key to overcoming sin in our lives is knowledge. You have to know some things because the Bible says you have to reckon yourself dead to sin. What do I have to know? I have to know Positional truth and temporal truth. Positionally, 2,000 years ago, even though I wasn't born yet, I was crucified with Christ. I was buried with him. I was raised to a newness of life and seated in him in heavenly places. I have to know that. If I don't know that, I can't reckon myself dead to sin. But once I get a revelation of that, then I realize, wait a minute, sin, as the word of God says, will no longer have dominion in my life. Oh, when Paul would preach this, people would get mad at him. They would say, you're just giving everybody a license to sin. Paul, two times Paul said, when I sin, it's not I that sin, it's the sin nature in my flesh. He's saying it wasn't even me. Do you know your spirit man can't sin? Right? They would get mad and say, Paul, you're just giving people a license to sin. But how many of you have ever applied for a license to sin? No, you just do it, right? People do what they want to do. The whole Pauline revelation is this. If you know who, you, who you've been made in Christ, it will empower you to walk free 
from all the behavior of sin. Because in all of it, you'll just be walking around going, wow, God, you saved me. You found me. You healed me. You delivered me. And it empowers you to walk holy. So this is why this is so important. Hosea 4.6, it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And this is real interesting because this Hebrew word destroyed, it's the Hebrew word dama, which means I've been silenced. So that, see, for you and I to be destroyed, we have to be silenced. So without knowledge, we have nothing to say. But once I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, once I realize that he went to the cross and he despised the shame, that means he tread the shame of my sin under his feet. So now when the enemy comes to me and I have a revelation knowledge of that, and he says, Tony, shame on you, I say, no, Satan, it is written, my shame was put on him. And I was made his righteousness. Now excuse me for a moment. I just have to go thank him again. Right? See, I'm destroyed if you could silence me. But if the word is in abundance in my heart, it's going to be coming out of my mouth. You can't silence me. Right? I was at a restaurant yesterday with some, a young lady in our church. And, and the, it's, it happens to me all the time. You know, the, the people in the booth next to us are like, oh, you know, we've been kind of listening. Why? Because what we're speaking about is life. You have to know how sin operates in you and how sin operates against you. See, you've been given life, but Satan wants you to walk in death so that he can show you to the world and show the world that, see, there's nothing about this Jesus. But we're going to expose all of that. Right? Because we're going to walk free from sin. You must understand this positional truth. you got to understand temporal truth. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. I want to show you a couple examples of what Paul said. Now Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth four years after he planted the church. He expected these Christians to be full-grown. He expected them to be mature. So he writes this letter, and he says in verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal. Paul is saying, I couldn't speak to you as a spiritually mature person. I have to speak to you as a carnal person. This word carnal means flesh-ruled or body-ruled, this Greek phrase also means undeveloped. See, here's the problem in the church today. We have an unrenewed mind because we have an undeveloped spirit, so we'll have an out-of-control flesh. But if we will renew our mind with the Word of God, See, the word of God's your spiritual food. It will develop you spiritually, so now you'll tell your flesh what to do. You'll tell your flesh to shut up. You'll tell your flesh, no, no, we're not getting mad at that person. We're going to bless that person, right? So this is, this is what Paul's talking about. 
It says, even as unto babes in Christ. He's saying, I had to talk to you as a baby. I couldn't talk to you as a mature believer. He says, I fed you with milk and not with meat. And then it says, for hitherto, or that means up till now, you're not able to bear it. Or you were not able to bear it, and neither now, and, and neither now are you able to bear, to bear it. I can't give you the meat of the word. I have to give you the milk of the word so that you can grow. You're still a baby. Carnal Christians, flesh-ruled, body-ruled Christians cannot handle meat. Now, that's what is meat. That's a whole study in itself. And you know, the Lord's been stirring me to talk about that, so we're going to talk about that sometime. Because the Bible lays out what meat is. You could always tell a baby because they're looking for the spectacular, but they miss the supernatural. You know? But this is what Paul said. Verse 3, For you are yet carnal. How do you know they're carnal, Paul? For whereas there is among you envying. That deals with their thinking wrong. Also, and strife that deals with them speaking wrong. Have you ever been around strife? People yelling at each other, fighting. That's strife. Baby. If you have trouble with anger today, guess what? Go change your diaper because you're a baby. <laughs> Pastor, are you calling me a baby? I am. But really, it's not I, but it's the word of God that's calling you a baby. So get over yourself, change your diaper, and start growing. Right? Because we've all been babies. We've all been foolish, haven't we? So that means if you ever have a brother or a sister that acts like a baby or is foolish to you, what should you do? A mature believer speaks the word of God in love. So we love people. So that means when somebody treats you wrong, you look down on the inside of you and there will be a word that comes up for you to speak life to them and bless them. Amen. Why be concerned about yourself? The Bible's very clear. Nothing can stop you. Nobody can stop you. Circumstances can't stop you. God's your supplier, not anybody else. Right? It's good news. You owe, no, you owe everybody nothing but just to love people. Envy, strife, and divisions... Divisions deal with your actions. So baby Christians, carnal Christians are thinking wrong, they're speaking wrong, and they're acting wrong. People get in marriage scenarios. And oh man, we just have a horrible marriage. Well, why? Because you're carnal. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand my husband. No, no, no. God will never talk to you about your husband. He'll talk to you about you. What are you doing? So many times, see, this is what Satan wants to do in every marriage. He wants you to be laser focused on what your wife or your husband needs to do so you'll never see what you need to be doing. Amen. You know, this is even more so, which it, 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 it pleases me to say this as a man, but the Bible example talks about the woman, if you will just live for God, it will help your husband live for God. 
I wonder now on the other side of that, maybe it's God knew that most husbands were going to be out to lunch, maybe more than the wives. <laughs> but we don't really want to go into that anymore because I just thought of that and that's not a good thought. We got to live. No, I'm just teasing. No, but you know, this is why the love of God is wonderful. Because it takes, see, when you live out of your flesh, you think only about you. When you live out of your spirit, you think only about others and only about him. When you live out of your flesh, it cannot produce anything but death. If you live out of your spirit, it cannot produce anything but life and peace. So we have to know that. It says here, for you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. And then he says, are you not carnal and walk as men? Like this word men is, and walk like a natural man. Not like a supernatural man. You're not, walking like, you're not walking like Superman, who you are. You're walking, if you're carnal, you're walking like Clark Kent. Right? Not like Superman. But you are Superman. You were made Superman. And you were indwelt by the God of the universe when you got saved. And you were given superpowers. Right here, the mighty Holy Spirit who will reveal all of this, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. Isn't that good news? In the Amplified, it says, are you not carnal and walk like ordinary men unchanged by faith? I like the Amplified version there. So in verse 1, Paul makes a clear distinction between the inward man, the spirit man, and the outward man, which is your flesh. Body-ruled man versus spirit-ruled man, right? We have been made the righteousness of Almighty God by the blood of Jesus. It's already a done deal in your life. You already are a world overcomer because you're born of God. You have to know that. So now go over to Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 1. Ephesians 2.1 gives us another picture of how people who don't know God, how they think and how they live. But for me, if I'm a carnal Christian, it'll show me how I'm living. Because I will live exactly like somebody who doesn't know God. Now we've all, now nobody's, just look ahead, smile, nod, whatever, but don't raise your hand, and nobody will know that you are part of this. But how many of you have ever acted and looked exactly like somebody who doesn't know God? Right? We won't give time frames. Well, this morning I... No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> you know. So let's look at this real quick to get a picture in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 1, it says this. And you hath he quickened. That means made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He didn't repair you. He made you alive. That means he took the dead you out and he put an alive you in. A brand new spirit. The Bible says you're a new creation, one that's never existed before. You're an original form. There is not anyone who will ever be like you. You are one of a kind. 
There's never been one like you. There'll never be one like you. You're that special, brand new. And you has he quickened who were dead in our trespasses and sins, or in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past, this is before you were born again, you walked according to the course of this world. This word walk means to walk in a circle. It can't be broken. This is the way, this is the way people in the world walk. They can't break out of this. To the course of this world, that means a specific period of time. It means a specific action or behavior. This is the way the world walks. They think they're okay, and they walk in this circle. Their behavior, everything, their thinking process is locked in, and they don't even know it. They think they're living for themselves and living their own life, and nobody lives their own life. We're not created to live our own lives. So you either get united with Christ, or you're united with spiritual death, you're united with Satan, that's why people who don't know God and have never been born again go to hell. There's no other place for them to go. God doesn't send them. He just literally honors their request to go there. Everything is made by a decision. So this is why we have to know this. It says, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. You're walking according to the satanic hierarchy. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. You are, if you, before you knew God, you were a child of disobedience. This Greek word disobedience means unpersuadableness, unbelieving, unbelief. Have you ever talked to somebody who doesn't know God, about God, and they laugh? Or they, they give you this look like, this is why the Bible says, the gospel is foolishness to them that believe not. It says that Satan blinds the minds of people that don't know God because they chose not to believe. It, it doesn't say he blinds their minds so that they won't believe. It says that he blinds their minds because they chose not to believe. But if you're a carnal Christian, do you know how many carnal Christians are like, I just don't believe that. I don't believe God's good all the time. I don't believe in that tongues business. I don't believe in divine healing. I don't believe, what? Aren't you a believer? Right? You guys doing okay? Yeah. Carnal Christians will look and act just like the world. So the source of the lusts of the flesh, the source is the desires that are in your flesh. There's a sin nature that we, we don't have a redeemed body yet. I can't wait. In heaven, we won't have to deal with what we have to deal with now, right? But the desires of the flesh call, cause the lusts of the flesh. Also, the desires of your mind, or you can say this, the desires of an unrenewed mind and the desires of the sin nature in your flesh will literally produce the lusts of the flesh. So if you renew your mind with the word, you can stop all that. Isn't that good news? The unsaved individual has his flesh hooked up to his mind. And as a result, 
in the book of Romans, as a result, that person will live either like Romans 1, they will be just, they'll, they'll be, their life will be racked with sin, they'll, they'll live a wrong lifestyle and do all kinds of stuff, or they'll live like Romans chapter 2, they'll be religious. Well, I'm a, they'll live like a good person and they'll do good things, but it's all about works for them. And I, how, how many people have you ever asked, you know, well, well, if you were to die, why would you go to heaven? Overwhelming answer is always, well, I'm, a good, I'm, I'm better than most. I'm, I'm good enough, right? That's Romans chapter two. That flows out of people that reject the Lord. And then you have a group that does both. So we have this group that's outwardly, I gotta be all that, I need a title, and I gotta act all spiritual when behind the scenes, I'm racked with addiction and all these secret sins that I don't want anybody to see, and I'm miserable if I'm a Christian. But I look just like the world. See, the world's hooked up, their mind is hooked up to their flesh. Realize, you got to realize this, and I know this sounds silly, but your lifestyle is not what saves you. You didn't just do a good deed, and when you hit a certain number of stars, there's not like this big thing in heaven where, you know, the angel Gabriel's putting a star up every time you do something, and when you reach a certain level, boom, you're saved. No, can't ever, can't ever do be good enough. So let's stop trying to work for something. Let's just work out something. Does that make sense? So the unsaved, their conscience will prick them when they do bad stuff for a while. But if they keep doing it, it, it their, their conscience gets hardened and now they don't even feel guilty. Right? So, so with a Christian, if his behavior is doing wrong things because he's carnal, because he's living out of his flesh, see, the world, it won't bother them that much. But for a Christian, they will live in inner turmoil. Because what is... see. Realize this, the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of sin when you mess up or when you choose it. Your own spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of the rejecting Jesus. That's what the Bible says. But what happens is your unrenewed mind will side with your flesh and you'll start behaving a certain way and your unrenewed mind, which is part of your soulish realm, which is really, we, we separate them, but they're, they're an integrated system, it will start to sense that your spirit doesn't like it. And that's, that's why you kind of feel inner turmoil. Ugh, what is that? That's just your own spirit going, I don't want to lie. I know, you know, you, you get in an argument, and when you walk away, you're just like, oh, man, I just don't feel good about that. I shouldn't have done that, Right? So this is the difference. The difference between a carnal Christian and the world, they look exactly the same. The only real difference, though, is the inner turmoil in the Christian because they're born again. Do you see that? Inner turmoil will always cause interpersonal conflict. 
It'll mess up your marriage. It'll mess up your relationship with your kids. It'll mess up everything in your life. And, and what we just need to, we're telling you how not to have to have to deal with that anymore. No more inner turmoil in your life. God, see, you can't rest on the outside if you're not resting on the inside. And God wants you to know how to rest on the inside. Carnal Christianity is a lot like a treadmill. You do a lot of works, but you never get anywhere. Right? Now, the only, the only advantage of a treadmill is you burn calories so you can get in shape. So there are some benefits, but you don't get anywhere. It's kind of like worries, like a rocking chair. You're doing a lot of moving, but you're not going anywhere. You're not solving anything. Isn't it amazing? Have you ever noticed this? So people will just constantly be consumed with the thoughts of what they want. I want a house. I want to be successful. I want to, you know, I want to have money. I want to have influence. I, I, I find people on the internet that have that, and I look at their life, whether they're Christians or whether they're not, and, I, and I'm just like, wow, I really want that. I really want that. But they never... Now think about it. If you really wanted something, what should you be really thinking about? How to get it. But do you ever notice thought after thought after thought will just keep you in wanting things? Never how to get them. Why is that? That's the enemy. He likes to hold this carrot to get you to never be in a position to ever receive it. When the Holy Spirit leads you, there will be a desire, but then past that desire, he will lead you into all the truth. He will always lead you on what to do to get it. See, there's a lot of people that think they're in faith, but they're not walking in love. So they're not in faith. So Satan loves that because they never, they never can get it. God wants you to get everything. He needs you to get everything. People get in a works mentality. However, their works will never satisfy them. Why? Because they're living out of fellowship with God and we're not designed to live out of fellowship with God. We're always trying to earn something but we're frustrated. All of these works produce this, wood, hay, and stubble. There's people that are doing a lot of stuff for God that God's not in. And when they get to heaven and fire's put to it, it's all gonna go up in smoke. God wants you to produce gold and precious stones eternal things, right? So this is so important. Spirit-led believers work out what God is working in and they do it within the law of love. So everything that I'm doing is saturated. You guys look so serious. It's saturated in God loves me. He's working in me and through me. And oh, it causes me to love him. Everything that I do is, is out of love. This produces in my life peace and joy. And all these works are gold and precious stones, 
which will remain for eternity. Because when they're tried by the fire, they will still be there. And that's what God wants for you. The same works, one produces wood, hay, and stubble. The other produces gold and precious stones. Wow. See, the carnal Christian has his spirit and his flesh in constant struggle and conflict. The one who's led by the spirit keeps his body under. Right? It's interesting. Romans chapter 8 is the victory chapter. Paul is saying, this is, I have learned that you can walk in victory in every way. And this is why. And then he takes a little side journey. You know, some, of, some preachers do that from time to time. And, and in chapters 9, what are you guys laughing at? In chapters 9, 10, and 11, wait, i got to tell you this story. No, I'm just teasing. In chapters 9, 10, and 11, he kind of talks about Israel and, the, and God's plan for them in the end times. But then in chapter 12, he jumps right back and he tells you how to walk it out. And he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living and holy sacrifice. It's literally your spiritual worship. You know it's living because it hurts. You know, I mean, you, you know, you got to beat your flesh black and blue. How long? Just while you're on the earth, right? That's all. That's it. I'd love to tell you that you can know God's plan for your life, even a little bit of it, if you don't do that. But you can't. Now, I know that seems hard, but I'm your pastor and I love you. If you, don't produce, if you don't present your body a living and holy sacrifice and renew your mind with the word, you will never be able to know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. If you study these, it's not three different wills for your life. It's three adjectives dis, dis, uh, that talk to you about the will of God for your life. But it's a progressive thing. So as you renew your mind with the word of God, you'll, be, you'll, you'll start out and you're walking in, in the will of God, the good part. And then as you keep renewing your mind with the word, you'll get into that acceptable part. And then as you keep going, you'll get into that perfect part. That word perfect means the mature will of God for your life. It's, you grow in it. See, it's all relationship. And the journey is awesome. The journey is awesome. So what's the key to walking free? It's knowledge. Knowledge is the key. Knowledge of what? We have to have knowledge of God's word. God's word is life. It literally, the, it's, it's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. But I need the Holy Spirit to open it so that I can see it. He must open it so that I could peer into the revelation knowledge of it. And as I keep peering in, I keep going deeper. I got to tell you, a million years from now, I'm going to see things in Romans chapter or Matthew chapter 3 that I've never seen before. I mean, think about some of these stories in the Old Testament. You have the Shunammite lady. Her son dies, and she tells the servant, put the son on the, on the prophet's bed in that chamber we built for him. She, and, and get my donkey and take me over to see the prophet. She goes to see the prophet. The prophet sees her coming. He sends out his servant to her. Now her son is dead, right? And so 
The prophet goes, hey, go out and ask her. Is all well with her? Is all well with her husband? Is all well with her son? What did she respond? All is well. Do you know if she would have said, you know, I'm really just going through it. Man, my son died. Guess what? Her son could not have been raised. But she believes something. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're, they're like, King, listen, if you throw me in that fiery furnace, my God is able and he will deliver me. And if you choose not to throw me in, we're not bowing. Where do you get that? Right? Because, because there's something different. Now, these are pictures of Old Testament believers. How much more you and I? You're not just an average and ordinary person. You are living at the end of the church age. And we got a lot of nonsense in the church, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of good stuff too. And we have 2,000 years of revelation that we can grab onto and walk in a depth and measure of faith, walk in a depth and a measure of the anointing. Do you know every anointing on every man or woman of God that's ever lived is still in the earth? And we're going to walk in all of it. But we got to know who we are. So we stop playing church. Pastor, can you hurry up? I can only handle a 25-minute sermon because, you know, I just mentally... I'm not talking to your brain today. Your, brain, your brain's like this right now. It doesn't... In, until it gets renewed. See, what, what we're ministering is to your spirit, and your spirit is drinking it. And if you'll go from this place and meditate in it, then what happens is you'll start to actually see it. And pretty soon, you will have revelation knowledge of the truth of what I'm saying, and it will make you free. But if you forget it, well, we'll try again Wednesday night. <laughs> and we're here. And the Holy Spirit's here. And he doesn't get mad at you if you don't. Now, it, it, you're not ple he's not pleased with you because he can't get anything over to you. You know, he, he probably doesn't like it because he sees you struggling financially. He sees you struggling financially and there's nothing he can do about it. When piled all around you in the spirit realm is every bit of provision you'd ever need, but you just don't know how to receive it. Or all the healing is there, but you just can't see it. Do you see it? See what I'm talking about today? I'm telling you, people will run to this message because God, he'll keep, he'll keep revealing himself and revealing self. I am so glad he never gave up on me. I'm so glad. I know now there is, when you walk and you finally realize, man, there is nothing that I could ever do that would ever change the way God feels about me. That's awesome. It's amazing. So in Galatians 5, let's look at this scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, This I say then, walk... In the spirit, whenever you see things like walk, that's temporal truth. Remember, positional truth, I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places, right? 
Temporally, I'm at Faith Family Church preaching to you. Walk in the Spirit. Notice in the King James Version, it's capitalized. But this is not talking about the Holy Spirit. He is saying, walk according to your human spirit. And you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It says if you walk out of your spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Ooh, that's good news. For the flesh, this is why we know it's not talking about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit does not lust against your flesh. It doesn't war with your flesh. Right? For the flesh lusts against the spirit, right? The human spirit. And the human spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. That Greek word means they're adversarial, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Paul is telling us, he's laying down a foundation He's going to tell us that whoever your mind hooks up with, your spirit or your flesh, that's what you're going to end up doing. So we're to obey what? We're to obey the law, the New Testament law that we have as believers. It's the law of love. That's our law. We must renew our mind with the word of God. So we obey the law of love. We renew our mind with the word of God. If we renew our mind with the word of God, we're going to be able to obey the law of love. The sin nature in your flesh is designed to pull away from your spirit to hinder you from doing what your spirit wants to do. That's what the sin nature in your flesh does. It will always pull, try to pull you away from obeying your spirit. Whichever one you're feeding is going to win. So if you're going to the bars and you're trying not to sleep with women, good luck with that. If you're driving past the 19 liquor stores on your way home from work and you're hanging out with the guys in bars and you're trying to overcome alcohol addiction, good luck with that, right? You're not going to be able to do it. So the Holy Spirit will orchestrate things. If you want to live for God, but you've surrounded yourself with people that don't want to live for God, guess what? They're going to win. So the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into the truth so that you can experience life. Oh, if you go to the bar, is God mad at you? No. How could he possibly be mad at you? What could you ever do that hasn't already been condemned in the body of Jesus? It's not about him being mad at you. It's about you walking in life. Right? We, we fight wars about, should we get tattoos? Should we go to bars? Should we drink alcohol? Is it okay to smoke? Is it... What? We're Christians. Here it is. It's real simple. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Live out of your spirit, and you'll do what God's called you to do. Yeah, but what about, you know, I know this person. No, no. Live out of your spirit and you'll forget that statement, well, what about this person? 
You'll stop looking at everybody else and you'll focus on the real problem in your life, which is you. Because guess what? Every time you judge somebody else, guess what? Satan loves it and God hates it because now he has to put you in the judgment seat. And all the doors are open and you're going to be judged with the same way that you judge that other person. I don't want that. Right? I don't want any part of that. Give me mercy. So I'm going to keep my eyes on myself. Yeah, but, you know, pastor, you know, I, I'm, I'm in this church and, and this guy's doing that or this person. Get back in the word quick because you're looking at the wrong thing. And see, here's the cool thing. When you walk in love, all you see is who everybody is inwardly. You don't even see where they are outwardly. Who cares? Right? I remember I had this kid. Man, Frank. Punk rocker back in the 80s, gets born again, radically saved. There was a guy on TBN called Arthur Blessett. He, he carried a wooden cross with a tire, massive cross, and he'd just walk around witnessing to people. So Frank is like, you know, I'm down playing basketball in Laguna Beach one day, and I see Frank with this gigantic cross. I'm like, oh, gosh. And he comes right up to me. You know, and I'm like, great, you know. So, and, and he'd have a different color hair every Friday night. I mean, it was just, you know, that's who he was. But man, he got born again. He's, he's in the word. And he comes to me after about four months. And he's like, man, I need to talk to you. Because we have this time with the Lord every Friday night. And we go out, we fellowship. And I am so on fire for God. And then I'm driving home. And I start thinking about pornography. Well, why is he thinking about that? Well, the enemy's throwing thoughts at him. And he had a problem in that area. And he goes, every Friday night, I end up fleshing out. Now, I don't know if this was good counsel or not, but I think, it was, I, I think I was led by the Spirit of God now. As a pastor now, I'm like, oh, and I actually told him to do that. But anyway, so I told Frank, I'm like, okay, this is what you do. Just tell yourself, just, just literally end it. Now that I'm thinking about it, that was not good counsel. You just take the thought captive, right? But God helps us. So I told him, I'm like, just, just say to yourself, no problem. When I get home, I'm just going to flesh out, watch whatever I want to watch. But before I do, I need to spend about 30 minutes in prayer, in worship, and in the word, and then I could just flesh out. He comes back to me, he's like, after the first week, he's like, this is the first Friday I didn't, after, by, after, by the end of that 30 minutes, I didn't want to have any desire. Right? And so it helped him walk free. It's the same thing with all of us. Whatever you're looking at, you're going to start talking about. Whatever you're looking at, you'll start looking to. It'll become your source. And it, it'll produce death if it's not of God. Amen. So can we say as a church family, do you, know, do you notice how this church is void of offense? Do you know what that means? Is we're doing a pretty good job walking out of our spirit. Amen. We're not concerned... If we see something in somebody else's life, what are we going to do? We're going to pray. Lord, and, and here's the way our prayers will probably be. Father, you know how you help me get free from this. Man, I don't want to see my brother or sister deal with this either. So I just pray, and we start praying prayer supplication for them. And let God be God. Right? <laughs> Parents, you have kids out there not serving God. Just give that all to the Lord. 
while you're sitting here, they might be 2,000 miles away and God's dealing with them. Pretty soon one day they'll call you up and go, I am in a church, I'm leading worship, I'm on fire for God, and you'll be like, wow, that's, that's great. Instead of just every time you hear what they're doing, you give in in your flesh and you go, oh, you know, I'm just, they're just out there doing this and doing that and they're never going to get it right. Satan's going, yeah, say more because you live on a word planet and you're empowering all this. We must renew our minds to the word. If you follow this Galatians out, chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 lists the results of a carnal Christian life. It lists the behaviors of them. In verse 22 and 23, it lists the behaviors of how you will live of a believer that lives out of their spirit. Verse 25 says this, and it literally makes a distinction between positional truth and temporal truth. It, Paul says this, if we live in the spirit, not capital, if you live in your human spirit, let us also walk according to our human spirit. Amen. If I live in the spirit, in, out of my spirit, live, that's, what is that? So we're talking positional truth. Let me now walk that out in temporal truth. Let me walk out of my spirit. Ephesians 5.1 says this. It says, be ye followers, therefore followers, or that word means imitators of God as dear children. It jumps down in verse 14 and says, where he saith, look at this, awake thou that sleep. A body-ruled Christian is literally likened to someone who's been asleep. See, we pray for revival. But you know what brings revival? An awakening. We think revival is when people get saved. No, an awakening is when Christians wake up from the sleep and stop living out of their flesh for themselves. And when they wake up and get revived, the byproduct will be multitudes will be set free. Because you and I are designed to bear fruit in this earth, to be a light in this world. We don't have to try to figure that out. It's who we are. In other words, I'm preaching this today because God wants you to meet you. The Holy Spirit, here's, I'll do a whole series on the Holy Spirit right now. The Holy Spirit's ministry in your life is to pull out from the inside who you are and show it on the outside. And you look like Jesus and you act like Jesus and, and you're as strong as Jesus and you walk by faith like he did and nothing moves you like it didn't move him. As a matter of fact, you do greater works than he did because right now the King of kings and Lord of lords is seated at the right hand of the Father and you're seated in him there. It says here, it says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleep and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See, spirit-led Christians imitate Jesus. Flesh-ruled Christians imitate the world. We worry like the world. We're afraid like the world. Right? We live just like the world, but no more. 
Now, in chapter 7 of Romans, in verse 14, and I want to encourage you to go back and read this. In verse 14 through verse 25, the sin nature in our flesh is completely described. Paul is identifying first person, the sin nature, to teach the Romans, to teach us, but he's describing himself. What? Paul was a Pharisee. This guy studied, and yeah, he's describing himself. He called himself carnal. I know theologians, some of them have a real problem with that, but that's because they're thinking too much, and they think they could change the Bible. But it, it's what Paul said. Paul identified the sin nature in his flesh. He identified that the flesh was hooked up with his mind. And their mind is always going to be the control center. Whoever the mind sides with is the way you're going to go. And then Paul found out, and at the end of chapter 7, he said it's Jesus that delivered him from this. He's completely delivered. So, in chapters 1 through 7, Paul describes the bondage of the sin nature in the flesh. That's our main enemy. But then, let's start, let's go to Romans chapter 7, and we'll kind of close with this. Romans chapter 7, well, give me a couple minutes, but go to Romans chapter 7, verse 22. Romans 7, 22 it says, for I delight in the law of God after my inward man. Your spirit loves God's word. But I see another law in my members, in my flesh. And look at this. It wars against the law of my mind. My flesh nature doesn't war after my spirit. It wars after my mind. The law of the mind says, if I... If I deposit the word of God in my heart, it'll bring forth the proper behavior. So my flesh is always going to lust after and be an adversarial with my mind. And then he says this, verse 24, or, and it says, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am. This word wretched means, O afflicted Enduring toils and troubles, man that I am. Who, notice he didn't say what, he said, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he gives the answer I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am delivered from the body of death through Jesus Christ my Lord. Let me say this correctly. I have been delivered from the body of death by Jesus. He's my Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. So now he's going to start giving you the answer. So then with the mind, I... With, with my mind, I, the spirit man, myself, serve. This Greek word serve means I yield my thoughts to the whole counsel of God. I, my, I, my spirit makes my mind yield to the whole counsel of God. How do I do that? By meditating in the word day and night. 
I make a one-time decision to present my body a living and holy sacrifice and renew my mind with the word, that one-time decision is only lived out 24-7 for the rest of my life on the earth. But I don't have to be strong in me. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He strengthens me. He empowers me to do that. So now he jumps in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and says, now he's going to explain how it all works. And we're going to close with this. There is therefore now, now that I'm in Christ, now that I'm born again, now that Jesus has come out of the grave, no condemnation. This means there's no, no penalty, no damning sentence. No verdict, no passing of a sentence and judgment against me. Now that I'm in Christ, everything is done to them which are in Christ Jesus. And then it says this, it, it, it throws something that shouldn't even be in the text, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Who walk not. See, when I read that, well, wait a minute. So... Does that mean if I'm walking out of my flesh that there's condemnation for me? Do you know who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit? In all of the most modern manuscripts, and now that they've, we've had 2,000 years, the most sound manuscripts have proven that statement should not be there. That statement should only be in verse 4. Because if you look at, it, look at this, He's talking about there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ. That's positional truth. And when it says who walk not after the flesh, walk not, that is temporal truth. It can't be right. Because people think, see, what does it mean to be in the Spirit? We're going to see next week, being in the Spirit means the Holy Spirit lives in you. It means a positional truth, not a temporal what you're doing. We're going to bring light on these scriptures and it'll set you free forever. This is saying the law of sin and death could never be broken by behavior. When you see in Christ, in whom, made righteous, that's positional truth. That is who you are because of your relationship with God. When you see walk, dwell, words like that, that's temporal truth dealing with your behavior. If you understand that, you'll be able to understand so much in the Pauline Revelation. If you don't understand that, you'll think one minute you're saved, oh shoot, I did this, I'm not saved. And then what'll happen is you will start trying to work it out. Satan loves when you work it out because you'll fall. Because you got to work out what he's working in. You don't work for something. So we laid a little foundation. I could tell you right now, you need to listen to this again. If you really want to get it, maybe five times. You need to outline it. My job as a child of God is to trust God to bring you truth with the anointing. And then encourage you, grab onto it. Get around some of the people here. Build a friendship. Get people around you of like faith. 
so that you can call somebody up and go, man, you need to tell me how strong I am today. You need to tell me how blessed I am. You need to tell me how loved I am. We need that. We get all of this together, never separate.